Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. ...exists uh, in today's society and that error um, is something which perpetrates every aspect of our lives and it's this statement, there's no smoke without fire. It's this belief that, well, if there's a story going on, there must be something true about that. What it does is it creates a sense of doubt, a sense of uh, betrayal, a sense of kind of, oh, I don't know, a kind of feeling that there's a, a, a divide between you. It causes relationships to break down. It causes trust to be um, unsettled. It kind of, even at the very, the very least, it, it causes the ground on which you're standing to, to shake. When, when, when you you pick up a story, you hear something about, particularly about friendships and relationships and people that you're close to. Something about those people you've trusted in, and, and you hear a story. There's no smoke without fire. There must be something in this. But what I've discovered is that there's almost Always smoke without fire. In fact, you can you can have a lot of smoke and no fire. I, I remember walking into my workshop and and um, it was full of smoke, um, and uh, it was because a light bulb had uh, swung free from its sort of fitting and was resting on a uh, resting on a wooden beam, and um, there was no fire. It was just hot. <laughs> it filled up with smoke. Um, you know, this morning. Uh, I saw James and Laura coming into church and, um, and you know, there's something about families with, with lots of children. Moses, I've seen Moses do the same. There's something about the fact that when you've got a lot of kids, you've got to get them into church. There's a military position in which they do things. It's like, it's just, there's a slight look of like determination. The rest of us just, just walk in, don't we? We, we just walk into church and, uh, and we all have the liberty of just walking in. Oh, it doesn't happen when you've got four kids. <laughs> You park up outside, right, where's the little one? And get them in, go on, go. No, don't hang on to my leg, go, go in, I've got to park the car. And, and this, this is sort of military process, right? So I watched them do that this morning. Except, I didn't. I didn't watch them come in. Now, I just told a lie. The lie wasn't James and Laura coming into church. We know that happened. And we know that happened like that happened because we've probably seen them do that. The lie was, I told the story, and you pictured me in that story. You pictured me there, but I wasn't there. I just made it up. I'm good at that. <laughs> I preach a lot. Here I go. <laughs> I just made up that story. James was looking, thinking, I don't remember seeing you there. He was looking at me going, yeah, yeah, I did convince you, didn't I? You had me there in the picture. And you were there. You were believing it too. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? They say there's no smoke without fire. I just made up the story. But the story that was wrong wasn't James and Laura coming to church. The story that was wrong was me being there. And because you've seen that, you've, we've all seen that, that moment when, the, when um, mums and dads come with an army of children 
You place yourself there. So when I was telling that story, those of you witnessed the event, as because it, it is an event when they come to church. It, it is an event with a family coming in. When you've witnessed that event, you were now in that picture story too. You placed yourself there. If you were to tell that story enough times, it's possible you could have convinced yourself you were there as well. <laughs> That's how you create smoke without fire. <laughs> Let me tell you something about something which isn't true. It doesn't matter how much it is true with a little bit of a lie, it's a whole lie. With a little bit of a lie, it's a whole lie. And what I've noticed in our relationships is that we end up believing little bits of lies and we completely misplace ourselves in the point of relationship. Now, let me explain this. If I was to give you my address and say, come for lunch, Get in the car, you drive out. We live 22 miles out of Aberdeen. You drive out, it's a bit of a journey. You get to a crossroads, and if I'd said to you, at the crossroads, turn left. All right? I've given you all of the instructions, but at the crossroads, turn left. You've gotten almost all the way there, but at the crossroads, you turn left. You would never arrive at my house. Because it doesn't matter which way you look at it, at the crossroads, you've got to go straight over. You see, truth is a destination. Truth is a destination. Last week I said that peace was a climate. All right? If peace is a climate, then truth is a destination. And it doesn't matter how much accuracy you place in telling the story. If you believe a lie, you are now misplaced because you're now in the wrong place. It's interesting, isn't it? You say, well, well, some of it must be true. Irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Some of it must be true is irrelevant because you're now in the wrong place. If If you turn left, you'll drive down the road, you'll see a telephone box, you'll see a telephone exchange, you'll see... um, a, a plot of land where somebody's trying to build a house and run out of money. You'll, you'll go down, you'll see another house that's just been built and you'll see the river, but you'll never see my house. And you'll drive around for hours and never see my house. Some of you have. <laughs> you know exactly what that feels like. Because you've got to go straight over. And you'll go, well, I nearly all the way. Irrelevant. A little lie is a whole lie because it misplaces you to the destination. If you want to find truth, you've got to get to the destination. And what happens when you believe the smoke is that your life becomes misplaced and in becoming misplaced, it becomes confused. How confused are you when you can't find the destination you're looking for? James chapter 4. James chapter 4 says this. Sorry, James chapter 3. <laughs> James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct, conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. 
But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. From where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, in James 3 verse 14 it says, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts and do not boast and lie against, do not boast and lie against the truth. You know, almost every battle you have in your life, you will win other than the battles you have with relationship where you will struggle. Now, what I mean by that is, as I've, if we've passed it for so many years and been in ministry, one thing that I've noticed is this, is that people will overcome and just keep pushing in, even in the most difficult financial times they go through. Who's here? You understand that? You're going through a dreadful time. Your finances are nearly run out. You're struggling. You've got... Cheryl and I have been through those times. We've gone through months with no money at all. And, and, and literally just believing for a miracle. Nothing to eat until somebody puts food at the door. We've been in that kind of level of poverty. And we just keep believing in Jesus. You with me here? I've seen how people can go through the most terrible sickness and have the most terrible stuff and go through the most awful grief in their heart and they still keep believing in Jesus. Still overcoming. There are many things that you can suffer and you'll still keep believing in Jesus. But I've noticed this. That when you have struggle with your relationship with your brothers and sisters in the church, with your family members, with different people, with, with, with uh, church leaders or with different situations. You, you get your head out of sorts with different people. I've noticed this. It knocks people quicker than anything else. Yeah. It is like a 10-pin bowling ball rolling down the alley and we're the pins. Yeah. And we get f- thrown this way and that way. Yeah. I've found this, that the thing that affects my heart above anything else is the breakdown of relationships. It's the thing that tests my heart with God with the breakdown of relationship. It's the thing that causes us more grief, more confusion, more doubt. And what we know is, the Bible says here, it says in verse 14, let me read it to you again. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. In other words, if we have an error of judgment about our friends then we will automatically go to the wrong destination uh, or a wrong opinion about them. In other words, if we get something wrong in our hearts, we will then confess that thing which is wrong about those people that we're in relationship and now we're in the wrong place speaking the wrong thing about them. Are you with me? You can't switch. It doesn't matter how much you know a person. If you're out of sorts with them, you cannot speak about them because you're speaking from the wrong perspective. Because you're in the wrong place. You followed the wrong roadmap and now you're standing in the wrong place going, well, this, if, you, if, if you drive to my house and you're in the wrong place, you're going, well, that's a rubbish house. This house doesn't even exist. <laughs> K 
heaven up till he's alive. He doesn't even have a house. He says he lives in the country. He's showing off. He's lying. He doesn't live in the country at all. He's probably just just got a little flat somewhere in town and he just wants to say that he lives in the country. It's amazing what your mind can say. But it's all because you just followed the wrong map, got to the wrong destination. That's what self-seeking is. That's what lying about the truth, wrong destination. But in James 3.15, it says this, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Now, we don't talk a lot about the demonic so much these days. Back in the 80s and 90s, we talked to everything that was demonic and spiritual warfare. There were some books written by a guy called Frank Peretti. Um, and uh, I think it was Frank Peretti. Did he write that? Yeah, what, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was... Um, Piercing the darkness, that's right. Everything was about demons. And, and uh, it, was, it was a great book. And it was, I mean, it probably shaped our theology a bit more than what it should have done. But, but it, it got everybody aware that there is a spiritual realm. And uh, it, um, so the, it, literally everyone was reading the Frank Peretti um, series of books. And uh, This Present Darkness, Piercing the Darkness, and I think there was a third one. And um, it spoke about the spiritual atmosphere in which we're living. And, and, but what I've noticed is this, is that people think that the demonic realm, you have a natural realm, and then you have a demonic realm. And there's some kind of divide. And to get from the natural realm to the demonic realm, you've got to entertain yourself into some sort of occultic practice to step from one to the other. The Bible clearly shows that that is not the case. Right? It says, this wisdom, this wisdom implying this perception you have about the confusion you have in your life, the struggle you have in your life, or the troubles you have in your life, this wisdom, you with me now? So that agreement that if you're going through struggles and you've got doubts in your heart, that wisdom is earthly. In other words, it's made up of the the thoughts of this world, the agreements of this world, the way the world views things. It's earthly. It's sensual. Sensual is highly emotive, passionate. It's sort of believing and agreeing, getting emotional and and angry and, and upset. It's sensual. Do you understand me? So it goes from agreeing with a natural process of way the world approaches life to becoming sensual, to becoming just that emotionally worked up into what the demonic. In other words, it opens the door to demonic manipulation. In other words, it's part of the same spectrum. We... We live our life in the natural realm, but the demonic, because the natural realm is, is the realm where, where we are sinful, sinful by nature. And so the demonic has the ability to manipulate us through our sinful nature. It's part of the same spectrum. It's the same as it's, uh, it's light. Um, we see light at certain colors, but we can't see infrared. It's just, just off the spectrum of our, of, of our visible sight. Radio waves are part of light spectrum. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? I, when I found that out, I thought, wow, it's, part of, it's just part of the same spectrum. It's just further on. So we understand that when we give ourselves to an agreement 
of believing in something which we think is true, but in fact isn't true, because truth is a destination. And if you're not at the destination, then it isn't true. The world created a concept where they say that truth is what you say it is. Well, if you go telling everyone that I live in a flat in Aberdeen, I don't. It doesn't matter how much you tell them. I don't. I, I, live, in, I live in Ithambay. If you say, I live in a hut by the river, because you think I do, because that's the only place you could find, <laughs> I don't. Never did. Sometimes I stand in the hut by the river when it's raining, <laughs> but I don't live there. <laughs> do you understand me? You, 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 can't, you can't just make up your own mind about what truth is. Truth is a destination, and the destination is the place where God leads us to, and it is truth. You can't change your mind about truth. You know, the world has created its own perception of truth based on many things that the world has created a truth on on sexuality and sexual life. It's created a truth. The world says this is true. And everyone says, well, and, and they've created their own version of that truth. But truth is a destination. Why did the world say that? Probably because the church has often given them the wrong directions. The church gave them directions about what is right and what is wrong when it should never have given those directions at all. What they should have done is given them direction about what is good and what is wholesome and what builds your life and what breaks your life. Oh, well, that's different. Are you with me here? Creates a difference. So when you get given the wrong instructions, you end up going, liars. Create their own truth. Well, we'll make it up to be what we can't find the destination, so we'll make it up to be what we think it is. Yeah. How the world works. Earthly wisdom. Yeah. Earthly, sensual, demonic. And what that does is it creates an internal turmoil. James 3.16 getting worse, folks, before it gets better. (laughs) For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. See, confusion is the evidence of believing the lie and being misplaced in your pursuit of truth. This is something that I've found. Most people are looking for truth. Most people. 99.9% of people I ever meet, they're looking for truth. But but they believe the wrong roadmap and they got sent down the wrong road and so had to make up their mind about something. So they drew themselves to a conclusion and that conclusion created a confusion. Now we all know what I'm talking about because we've all been down that road and we've all been confused, misunderstood, hurt. And there is a balance point in that confusion that grows in our heart. And that balance point is, do we allow the enemy to manipulate our lives? Do we even notice that he was manipulating our lives? Are you with me here? That's the confusion that exists. Now, as I said last week, I said that there is a climate. Peace is a climate. And when I spoke that, I spoke about... um, Daniela and, and Tommaso's lemon tree they have growing in them. In fact, they sent me a photograph um, last week about their lemon tree um, and how they've moved it from 
outdoors to indoors to protect it, uh, to try and improve the climate in which the lemon tree was growing. For those of you who weren't here two weeks ago, I spoke about how the peace of God is the climate that exists over our life. And the climate changes the character of the things which are growing in it. So a lemon tree which can flourish beautifully in Tommaso's homeland of Sicily will never flourish in Aberdeen, even if you can try your hardest to keep it alive. So his lemon tree is about so big, it will grow fruit that big, but take it home and it will become as high as the roof, if not taller, and have big juicy lemons on it. The climate here changes the character of the thing that is living under it. And so the climate of God's peace restrains the hand, the work of the enemy to bring confusion. If we have the peace of God in our life, the troubles that we go through are restrained in growth. Even if they do grow, they're restrained. That's the climate, right? Now, in James 3 verse 17, I want you to see how this works. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Or it's unstained by our earthly, sensual ways. The wisdom that is from above, it's unstained by our concept, our ways of living. Then it's peaceable. In other words, it's pure from God, and then it's peaceable, the climate in which it's growing. It's gentle, willing to yield. That's the weather. The gentleness, and the, that's the weather system. And then it's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's the tree and its fruit. And verse 18, it says, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now let me take this backwards because this is where I want us to get to. And I know I've, I've gone on so a, little, a little bit too long, but I'm going to go for another three minutes. Is that okay? Yeah. So the fruit of righteousness is grown on the tree of mercy. So let's take this backwards. The tree of mercy is what produces peace in our life. Mercy produces peace. Confusion can't exist in a place of mercy. Because mercy is loving, forgiving, full of grace. Are you with me here? Right? So if we take it backwards, we go... If I want peace, peace comes from a tree of mercy existing in a weather system of gentleness and a willingness to yield your heart. All right? Under a climate of God's peace in a world that God created that is pure. Are you with me here? We live in a world that is sinful And we live under a climate of that sinful things. But in Christ, we live under in a world which is pure, under a climate which is peaceful, in a weather system that is gentle and willing to yield. And we grow trees of righteousness and trees of mercy, which produce a righteousness of peace in our life. Does that make sense to you? Haven't lost you yet. And so what happens is that in our lives, we're looking for peace. We need peace. And we're often there's a confusion that gets in your heart. And then you're looking, you're going, but the climate around my life isn't peace. I want you to see something. 
Trees change climate. Trees change climate. The world only exists in its natural state because of trees. Without the world's trees, our atmosphere would become polluted and we would all be poisoned to death. True? Mercy is a tree that grows in your life and it produces peace which changes the climate of the life you're living in. And so when you come before God and you're looking and you're going, oh, where's it? I need peace. I, I need peace working in my life. And I'm so confused. And you've got this earthly, sensual, demonic potential going on. Now, what I mean by that is just some of you are going, well, are you calling me demonic? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that we are vulnerable to the manipulation of the demonic when we allow ourselves to be taken away by the sensual. Vulnerable. Not always. Not demonized. I have demons. I've not got blood coming out my eyes. <laughs> you understand me here? I've met people who do have demons, and that's for very different reasons. <laughs> very different. And also, fairly unusual. Genuinely, fairly unusual. But the demonic, the ability to manipulate a person's mindset, their thoughts, their attitudes towards others, their attitudes towards the church, their attitudes towards the house of God, their attitude towards their own faith, their attitude of those things, that sensual thing, it just turns them up. The enemy has an ability to just blow a little smoke in your face and cause you to believe a lie and misplace you in the destination as you pursue the the road of truth. What we cry out for is peace, and God says there is peace. But we need to understand that something needs to grow in your life and it's called mercy. It's called mercy. And it's grown when you allow the weather front of gentleness and the willingness to yield. I've never met a confused person willing to yield, actually. When someone's confused, the first thing you can't do is get through to them. I know there have been moments in my life when I'm going, I'm so frustrated, I'm just, oh, it just won't work. And then Cheryl will tell me exactly how things will work. Right? But she's wrong, of course, because she's my wife. <laughs> I want her to be wrong because I don't want her to be right. <laughs> you with me here? How many of you know when you come with a complaint, you come with a problem and somebody tells you the answer. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it because you want your complaint to be the complaint. You want that to be the truth, but it isn't the truth. You don't even want the answer. What you want is the problem, and that problem justifies your complaint. And then someone comes along and ruins your day by giving you the answer. <laughs> like your wife. It's dreadful. But when I believe her, I believe her with a willingness to yield. (sighs) Okay, when she's out the room. Yes, Jesus, she's right. (laughs) No, 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 definitely not. I've noticed this. I've noticed that when you point the truth about someone, they'll always say no, then re-say what you're saying in other words. (laughs) Always. 
You're angry. No, I'm not. I'm upset. <laughs> we all do it. We try and redefine it. What we're trying to do is hang on to the smokescreen that isn't true to justify the place that we've landed at. But God wants you to find truth. And truth is found in the place of peace. And peace grows out of the tree of mercy, which flows in your heart as you build your relationship with others. What does that actually come down to? It comes down to an integrity of heart to pursue relationship above all things. Love your neighbor as yourself. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.